You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Good enough theater people, and welcome to your program is your ticket. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. The program is your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, your program is your ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater and smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. My guests on tonight's show are writer, director, and Emmy-winning actor Dorothy Lyman and actor Abigail Hawk from the upcoming play In the Bleak Midwinter, making its theatrical debut here in New York City at Shetler Studios Theater 54 from September 8th to September 23rd. In the Bleak Midwinter is written by and stars Dorothy Lyman who was also a highly accomplished director and two-time Emmy Award-winning actor. Known for such television hits as Mama's Family, All My Children, for which she won her back-to-back Emmy Awards, how cool is that, and The Nanny, in which she not only acted, but directed 75 episodes. It's so amazing. We also have esteemed actor Abigail Hawk, who also stars in The Bleak Midwinter, and she has a multitude of credits and currently stars in the CBS mega-hit Blue Bloods. Ms. Hawk also has a Buford International Film Festival Best Actress nomination, and, and she has won the Hill Country Film Festival Best Actress Award, as well as the Golden Door Film Festival Best Actress Award, wow, that's awesome, for her role in the 2016 film Almost Paris. Okay, here's a description of In the Bleak Midwinter. It's a freezing Catskill winter outside on Gladstone Farms and pretty frosty inside the farmhouse kitchen as well. As three generations of women debate the fate of their matriarch, a holiday weekend with family becomes a fulcrum for change as recently widowed Elizabeth Gladstone, played by Dorothy Lyman, faces old age and the loss of her home. Betsy, her daughter, played by Ms. Hawk, and granddaughter, Liz, played by Jean Lauren Smith, each have their own ideas about what should happen. Betsy wants to cash out. Liz wants to try to hang onto the farm. Tempers are as short as the winter days. But for Elizabeth, the only real question is, can the third act of her life really be the best one yet? Wow, that's wonderful themes and sounds so intriguing, and I can't wait to see it. But for now, let's bring on these two megawatt talents. Hi, ladies, and welcome to Your Program is Your Ticket. Hey, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for having us, indeed. It's my pleasure. And as I told you before, I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm so honored to be in the company of like such prestigious actors and, and directors behind. I mean, so, so okay. Okay, I'm going to pull it together Aww. here. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. You're, Dorothy. You're just, making us blush. So great to hear. Oh, well, I'm, I'm blushing probably more. But 
Dorothy, please tell us how the idea for In the Bleak Midwinter came to you. How did you come up with the premise, the character, uh, characters, the plot line? Um, can you talk about that a little bit for me, please? Well, sure. You know, I, 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 I wrote my first play in 1995, and I wrote my second play in 2016. So <laughs> there was uh, quite, quite the, the split between them. And... Um, this is actually the third play that I have written. And, you know, um, I, I feel women are underserved generally, and certainly old women are in theater. You know that our voices are often silenced, and uh, write, younger writers are not really interested in writing our stories. So um, just as, as in my career as a producer and director, I have tried to encourage women on my creative teams and technical teams, um, I have made it my personal mandate that I'm going to create great roles for myself and all my out-of-work, <laughs> wonderful actor, woman friends. Good for you. So I am 71 now, and it it, it is... I, I live on a farm in upstate New York, and my children think it's time for me to get off that farm. So <laughs> I have, I've put it on the market, and I've moved down to my son's outfit in Connecticut. But... I had so much grief in leaving my beautiful farmstead that I bought in 2001 and spent, you know, 17 happy years on as a chicken farmer, actually. I, I raise eggs, and I have horses. And so uh, when, when the kids persuaded me that it was maybe time to move closer to New York City, closer to the family, I felt I was missing my grandkids' lives. You know, they live in New York City and in Connecticut. So anyway, a year ago, I'm started making the move and now I am fully in Connecticut and so I wrote this play while I was down in Mexico this winter I, I tend to run away from the cold for a couple months and go down to San Miguel de Allende and um, I wrote I started this play down there last February to try to come to terms with my own feelings of loss yeah. about aging and um, having to sell my farm Wow, and and so tell me about the characters. Tell me about. Uh, I so the characters are um, the old farmer mm. and her daughter that Abigail plays. By the way, so beautifully. I oh, mean, I'm. The words it's are... so great to work with her every day. Um, Thank you, Dorothy. And her husband, my son-in-law, supposedly, and my granddaughter and her fiance. And the sixth character in the play is the local woman who's my kind of housekeeper slash caretaker, helps me around the farm, and, you know, has been kind of running the place with me since my husband died. So those are the six characters. Wow. Yeah. And it, I would assume that the, the main character is, is based, because of the fact that you say it's, it's, it sounds a little bit, well, it sounds autobiographical, about 20, 30, 35% autobiographical, and then you've taken uh, the story into to a place where it's servicing the themes and, and the messages that you want to, to put forth. Exactly. You know, I am um, uh, a small, very small-time hobby farmer, but I bought my farm from some people who are fourth and fifth generation dairy farmers up there. Mm. So in the 17 years that I've lived in in uh, the Catskills in upstate New York, I have gotten to know those people and their stories. So actually, I have sort of cannibalized my neighbor's stories wow. uh, and blended them with my own emotional feelings. But um, 
you know, Gladstone Hollow that I write about is a real place, you know, and um, the stories about the animals and the cows and the stuff that happens on a farm are things that I've heard from my neighbors, and so I hope there is an authenticity to this beyond my own personal grief. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sure. There's definitely an authenticity to it. It's a beautiful, beautiful journey. It really is, and it's just so relatable. I think that um, all of us, regardless of what our background is, whether it's farming or not, we are all going to either have to have this conversation with a parental unit, or we are already that parental unit that is the recipient of those kinds of life-changing decisions. Um, so it's it's just so incredibly present. Um, I mean, it's a universal thing. Family drama is is something everyone understands. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. Um, uh, my friend, playwright Howard Margulies, he tells me that he he likes living rooms when he writes. He likes families in living rooms just playing it out because you you get such a nice um, insight into how similar your family is, even if it is, you know, uh, whether it's a a farm family or it's a city family. Right. Everybody is going through the exact same things on a certain level. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Abigail, tell me about your character. Oh, so Dorothy has given me this beautiful gift of uh, playing Betsy. Um, Betsy's a fireball. She's she's a lot of things wrapped up into one. She's a very tense individual. She may possibly suffer from resting bitch face. (laughs) She's very... (laughs) corporately driven um she is very much on track with her 80 hour work weeks to retire early um she got having her kid out of the way very early she had her kid at 22 that's liz played by gene lauren smith and she is just ready to move on and retire to florida and just kick back so she's charged and coming right out of the can and ready to go and then she's going to scale back. But part of her ability to scale back involves getting her mom off this damn farm and down, you know, into Florida or in a home where she belongs and doesn't have to worry about her um, because it's a three-hour drive from New York City. So having her up here alone is terrifying. And, um, you know, Betsy doesn't like it. She's a control freak. She wants to know when everything is happening she is strategic she is on time she's never late you know and and there are 25 hours in her day and she gets it all done through her ambient addiction (laughs) um she's fascinating and i I have found throughout this entire process i've been fortunate enough to be involved since the, the reading that was in april um she just is so very complicated and i think that that is due to Dorothy servicing women so well. Um, She is truly, 
you know, I, I see so much of myself in her, um, but I find that, I don't know, I think it, there's something about women writing for women. You know, we have, we have many women that revolve in the universe of our own brain. I think that depending on, you know, what time of the month it is, we can be a completely different individual. Hmm. And Dorothy has written Betsy that way. Um, and so I've noticed throughout this rehearsal process, different things come out for me, and I'm just so loving the process of discovery. You know, she's, she's just all over the place, and it's beautifully messy. Has Dorothy written uh, components into your character that have made you realize, wow, I, I guess I'm like that a little bit sometimes every once in a while? Oh, most definitely. Too. I think... Like surprises for you. Well, I think what's interesting is, especially in my journey as an actress, you know, we we tend to see ourselves a certain way. We, we see our types a certain way. Um, and I am learning as I get older that um, I don't necessarily match with what I think my type is. Huh. Um, you know, I'm a very forceful individual. Um, I'm very... I come across very confident and, um, uh, you know, I just, I put my, my whole self out there. I've never met a stranger. Um, but I feel that myself as opposed to my actress persona is, is not that, you know, I think that I'm, <laughs> I think that I'm fairly reticent and I, you know, I enjoy my alone time. So it's, it's just, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I've lost track of the, the question a little that's bit. But that, that's Betsy. So there you go. So yes, most of me <laughs> is there. We're the same person. <laughs> um, it, it sounds like there are, are power themes in the story. Oh, gosh, I, yes. I Am I pegging that pretty correctly? Like it's, it's like who's, who has the power in the family and when and who wants it and who needs it and who really should have it. Uh, can you speak on that? Well, exactly, you know, and I think um, w with the death of the patriarch, you know, the, fa the family really lost its compass, and his wife, Elizabeth, who I play, has tried to keep everything going along as if Hank never died, and that's not real, and that's not true, and that's not in anybody's best interest. You know, when you um, said that, 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 that Howard Margulies, yes. Harold, Howard, Howard Margulies said he loved living rooms, I love kitchens. And yes. I realized uh. that, that since uh, a couple of white chicks sitting around talking, which was the first play I ever produced and directed in 1980 by John Ford Noonan, mm -hmm. um, uh, every major success in my career that I've had as a writer or a director has been set in my own kitchen in one way or another. So it's a very strong power base for me and I think for most women. It's the heartbeat of the home, it's the hearth, it's, you know, where food is cooked, where people are nourished, where secrets are told. Wow. That's Listen, cool. even as someone who doesn't cook actively, that would be myself, the kitchen is where everyone ends up. Right? Because that's where the coffee is. That's right. <laughs> Or the wine, or the, or the wine. ice cubes, or whatever yes. you need. Yes, exactly. or the kids' snacks. <laughs> exactly, exact, exact. And of course, there's the old adage that uh, the kitchen is the focal point of every party yes. that you go to. It's where you go. Where it's, like, it's almost like its own little confessional for Agreed. everyone, that's in a, a way. That's a great 
great way to put yeah. it. Oh, thank you. Um, now, you mentioned that you had a reading in April. Yes. Um, so you've had a reading. Have you done any um, other like workshops, or have there been any other developmental well, productions of um, the show? When I... Uh, the two young people in this play come with me in the winter down to San Miguel and, and have worked with me twice down there. So uh, when I wrote the first 28 pages of this play in February, Brennan and Jeannie were still down in Mexico, so we did a reading of it there in February. Then I wrote more on it, and when it was 44 pages, we read it here in New York, and that's when Abigail and Tim Bone joined Jeannie and Brennan and I uh, and Shannon Stowe, who plays the housekeeper. And we read it in April for an audience um, who reacted very well to it and had ideas. And so I made it 54 pages long. And in June, we met for two, two days, two days mm-hmm. at my apartment in the walk here in New York. And we sort of workshopped it. We just spent two days just reading through over and over and talking about each scene and talking about the characters and talking about the relationships and I listened to everybody's ideas and I made notes and and I took the month of July to retool the play so that it would be ready when we went into rehearsal on August 8th and I, I took all of the ideas that I'd gotten in those two days work in June and it was became 62 pages and that wow. was the production that we put into motion you know it's a it's a process it's a collaborative art really theater and you know the the writer gets to take credit for all these great ideas but many of them spring out of the discussions that you have with the uh, with the actors while you're exploring the script which especially with a new text even as a director when it's not my own text I like to spend the first week just sitting around a table just talking about it, you know, making sure everybody understands exactly what they're saying. And as a director, it gives me a chance to actually kind of block it in my head so that when we get it on its feet, it it goes up really quite naturally. She, I just want to sing her praises. You know, I know they get sung all the time, but she's been so incredibly open and collaborative to new ideas to different takes on certain things she really has let us play with her play and it's been very inspiring I haven't touched theater since 2011 um, and so this has been slightly scary for me to re-immerse myself in this world that unfortunately you know my muscle memory is kind of disappearing because I've been in this world of television and film for the last you know seven to ten years of my life um, working professionally and it's been such an honor to feel that I am truly part of a team um, with these incredibly capable people alongside me and the beautiful thing about Dorothy is that she never lords it over you that she is the creator you know she's even though her words feel divinely appointed she just is so humble and honest and present um in everything i really feel that way very strongly wow abby well love you back (laughs) can she be in my next play i know it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I, I refer to people as the Lyman family players. She you know, does. <laughs> the, the, one, the ones that I have worked with before, this is the third project that I've worked with with Brennan Lowry and Jean Lawrence Smith on. And, uh, you know, it, it, 
I like to work and write for people that I that I know, you know, that I know who they are inside and out and what they can do, and yeah, that's, it's great. That's amazing. So, um, tell us about the rest of your team. Now, you mentioned uh, a couple of the other actors. Tell me about your creative team, your tech team. Um, talk about them a little bit. Well, I invited a protege of mine called Katie McHugh. Uh, she was a student of mine uh, like eight years ago. Uh, I taught at the uh, at the New School for six years, the New School for Drama, and Katie was in the master's degree program. Oh. And so she was one of my students there, and we just, uh, she really got it about me, and we just became really good friends and, and um she and I've worked together for the last six years on every theater project I've done. She usually produces for me and or is the technical director and she is so great. She has her own theater company and she's got many things on her own plate but you know I invited her to be part of this project because um, you know I just couldn't write and direct and be in it and be the prop mistress and just do everything you know I really needed her help so so she came on even though I think sometimes working with somebody as a you know strong-headed and specific as I am about how things need to go it has probably been a little frustrating for her but you know she's done a great job and plus she's eight months pregnant so the baby's going to be born like 10 days after the play opens so we're you know just looking at that child as a sort of symbol of our own superhero she is she's a superhero for sure Pregnant yeah. is, yes, I'd already delivered both of my children where she is in her pregnancy because I delivered five weeks early. So the fact that she's still hanging on, you know, she's she's a champ. Yeah, and she has, uh, we've assembled a design team of um, a young woman, Joanna Pan, who's in her final year at Tisch at NYU. Uh, she's getting her master's in theater design there. Uh, a wonderful lighting designer called Elizabeth Mack, and my good old friend James Higgins, who, you know, the only man on the team, <laughs> is the sound designer, and he's done the sound for me for the last couple of projects I've done, and he's just great. He's a great singer and a great musician and like that. So That's yeah. terrific. It's- I know it. And, you know, Katie's husband runs Shetler Studios. Yeah, Robin Patterson, who's the managing uh, director here at Shetler. So it's a, it's a it's a very family oriented situation, and we feel really good about it. And we hired two you know very talented young administrators, a stage manager and a production manager, Megan Shadler and Natalie Jones, Jones, um, who are you know on the on the production team, plus a, a wonderful girl called Brenna. Brenna. Brent, not Brennan. Brennan no, Brenna. Yeah, Brenna and Brennan. That's been some difficulties and on our she, she moved to New York two weeks ago and immediately began Immersed. to work with us. So she's kind of, uh, it's, it's amazing to watch her. And yes, she's just taken to it all like a duck to water. So that's, that's the team putting this thing on. That's great. It's so smart, I think, to bring in people that you've worked with before, that you have good rapport with. Um, it's because the, the trust has to be there. Not just in, I think, the art, but also in, in the responsibility of, you know, showing up on time and doing, lowering your lines and knowing that if you ask for uh, a lighting schematic or a sound plan, that if you want it tomorrow, then you're going to get it tomorrow. So that's 
my, in my opinion, that's so smart, and that's the best way to develop a team. You know, my, my, my daughter runs Martin Scorsese's outfit, um, Emma Tillinger-Koskoff, and Marty has had the same editor for every, you know, Thelma's cut everything he's ever shot, and it's, as a director or producer, when you find a posse that works well with you, Your that inner delivers circle. the mm-hmm. goods, you hire these people over and over again, you know, and... Um, it, it makes sense because they know your rhythms, they know your personality, they're, you know, put up with your moods. That's, it's, it's like I said, it's just really smart. I do the same thing. I, I at least try to get the same people I can whenever I have a project mm-hmm. um, as, I, as I've had before. It doesn't always work out that way because everyone has their own projects going on and schedules, but if you can, then that's great. It sounds like you have a lot of, of a loyalty to you and... Uh, people have a lot of loyalty to you from your various, from your well, from your one team. I'm going to say. I mean, it's so rare that like one team will like stay. So that's <laughs> props to you, Dorothy Lyman. Thank you. That's that's <laughs> terrific. Now, um, you had mentioned sh- sort of shaking off the cobwebs of TV and film acting. Now, can I indulge you with one of the questions that? A lot of the fans and people that I talk to about my guests on your program is, is your ticket. Ask me. Um, may I? You may. Okay, good. Okay. We're here. Let's okay, do excellent. It. Now, uh, people always ask me when I have people, when I have guests on who are in, in TV and film, um, what is the difference between acting in the theater and acting for the screen for TV and film? What, did, what kinds of... What techniques do you use that are different, or what's the approach? Um, is, is there a volume level that's different? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's probably the most common question I get asked. Well, that's probably the, the most immediate um, and ready answer, is that, yes, the volume level is light years different. I mean, the, with TV and film, the camera and the boom miss nothing. So if you're not honest, the camera knows you are not honest. But to the other side, it also allows you to be just subtle. It reads everything. You can do nothing, and the camera will pick up your face, the the smallest eye twitch or lip quiver, and the audience is able to make of that what they will. Hmm. Um, I think with with theater... uh, Typically, even in a in- very intimate black box space like Theater 54 is, you have to project more um, automatically because you don't have a boom. You don't have a lava... We're not wearing lav mics. Um, and that's just very jarring for me because a lot of these conversations are so intimate and you have to rev up the volume but not lose that intimacy. Um, So that's a big difference for me. And also, you know, the hardest thing for me is going back to the the technical discipline um, with theater, finding the energy and the stamina to sustain that character's arc and journey from start to finish every single night and revving up and doing those emotional, uh, that emotional traveling over and over and over again. And you know, having to f- navigate it if it's not there with your training. 
uh, which we talked about the other day. You know, sometimes you don't feel like crying, you don't feel like yelling, but you've got to push through and make it as honest as possible. Whereas in TV and film, you just go, cut, that take was terrible for me. Let's do it again. Wow. And you can move on. And you also learn the lines instantly. You lay it down. And then if it's not great, you fix it in post. Hurrah! So it's, you know, it's like having Photoshop. <laughs> but you don't get that in theater. You know, for me as a director, uh, the actor only has to do it right once when you're shooting it. In the theater, the actor has to reproduce it eight times a week. Sure. You know, and even the great actors don't feel it eight times a week, and that's when the actor's technique kicks kicks in. How can you still make us believe that you're upset, even if you're not really upset tonight? But as a director, I love working in film because every audience member sees the same performance. Yes. Every time the film is shown, it's exactly the same. You're not in the hands of the actors or an understudy or, you know, whatever happens. So as a director, for me... um, you know, film is, is, is a great medium. Wow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, there's, there's lots to unpack there. I mean, there's so many little nuances and differences, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah. But for me as an actor, there's no difference between how I work on a role in the theater and how I work on a role on film. The same investigation, the same substitutions, the same all those things... Um, oh, agreed. Yes. You know, go into it. The so there's there's no difference in, in how you approach the work. So it really is about just uh, adjusting the execution, right? Your performance to to the size. media, mm-hmm. the size. Mm-hmm. That's that's a mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. word for it. Well, thank you for answering the audience's question. That's great. It's that's that's a wonderful answer. And sometimes I wonder myself too. And my husband's an actor, and he's been on film, and so oh yeah. But you know, just you know, he's. He won't answer things like that with me around. With me, it's like, you know, what do you want for dinner? And that's how, it. So how, many, there you go. <laughs> how many years? How many years? Uh, we've been together for 27 years. Oh, and we've been, tough. Thank you. And we've been uh, married for 10. Congratulations. Nice. Thank that's you. That's a really big deal. Yeah, it certainly is. I've been is. married for nine, so you're still beating me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and I've been married many times. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I could talk to you two for hours and hours and hours. I know you have um, other commitments today. You have rehearsal today. So, um, but before we go, uh, would either of you or one of you like to um, share your uh, information about the upcoming production of the In the Bleak Midwinter? Or if you have any social media information you'd like to share, or if there's. Any um, upcoming thing that you'd like to talk about? I'm sure it's all under wraps, that well, kind of thing. But Sure. No, we, we have a website, and I believe it's called Stuffed Olive Inc., I-N-C. And there also, if you type in In the Bleak Midwinter Play, you'll get somewhere. Yes. 
Google and, will lead you. And if you do even Dorothy Lyman, I think you would be led in some way. Yes. But I'm, um, as I say, not not young and conversant with these social media things. Although, you know, but I, I am. There you go. Right. <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I was sort of dragged onto Twitter very recently um, because I. I was fundraising for a wonderful organization called Covenant House. So I'm now on Twitter, which is, I've joined 2018. Um, I'm still relevant. Um, Thank you for following me today. You're welcome. I appreciate it. I saw that. Uh, so my, my Twitter handle is Abigail Hawk. Um, my Instagram handle is Hawk Abigail, because apparently there's another Abigail Hawk. So you have to put my last name first with Instagram. And then I'm on Facebook as well, so all of the information outside of the Stuffed Olive Inc. website is also on my pages. Um, cool. And for me, you know, I'm just I'm focused on um, Blue Bloods and on in the bleak midwinter. Um, and I have a film that's upcoming next spring uh, with Lawrence Fishburne and Milo Gibson called Brothers Keeper that will be coming out. So that's in post right now. So that's me. Sensational. Dorothy, you have anything coming up, or is this... Well, I'm guest starring on The Blacklist, and I work on Monday. You know, it's a nice guest star part. I get to shoot somebody and be shot. So wow. I'm looking forward to that. That's great. <laughs> and I also uh, have a guest starring part on the uh, on a new uh, series in the pilot episode. It's called FBI. It's a new Dick Wolf series, which uh, stars Missy Peregrim. And, um, I love yeah. her. Yeah. yeah. I like Missy Peregrim a lot. Well... Thank you so much for being with us, writer and also star Dorothy Lyman and her co-star, actor Abigail Hawk of In the Bleak Midwinter. It's been an honor, and I so appreciate you being with me. And I wish you totally figurative broken legs, like as many as possible. Um, just, you know, have a great time doing the show. Enjoy it. It sounds so wonderful, and I absolutely can't wait to see it. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. We look forward to welcoming you to the theater. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's my pleasure. Well, folks, the proverbial 11 o'clock number has been sung and the vows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. Don't forget to see In the Bleak Midwinter, playing at the Shetler Studios Theater 54 from September 8th to September 23rd, and I believe September 8th is opening night. Did I read that correctly? You did. Yeah. I did. Great. As for me, you can find more episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket at Facebook.com. Your Program Is Your Ticket. I'm on Twitter at, at Program Ticket, as Abigail knows. Again, thank you for following me. That's why I'll follow you back. I promise. I swear. Uh, my website is YourProgramIsYourTicket.com. A quick thanks to North Coast NYC, the hip-hop improv theater ensemble that does my intro and outro music. You might be hearing it right now. If not, you'll hear it in a few seconds. They're awesome. Um, your Program Is Your Ticket is on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, please rate me and write me a review subscribe all of that stuff helps my profile and I totally appreciate it folks take a little time to see a show this week and don't forget to give a smaller show some love there's lots of theater gems out there until our next show good night theater people and hi y'all this is Kristen Chenoweth hi I'm Gloria Stefan this is Sarah Bareilles hi I'm Patty Lapone. this is Lin-Manuel Miranda you're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.